Hi, I'm Mahani. Hi, I'm Erin with two R's. Welcome to Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads. Hi, welcome back to Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads, episode 14. 14. And today we're going to be discussing chapters 15 to the end of Ghost of the Watchmen by Harper Lee. I almost sang 14 candles. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the song. All right, let's do the two-minute recap. Oh, God. Do you have it in you? <laughs> I think so. I can do this. All right. And go. So we open up with the dance recollection and the falsy incident, and her boobs are on a on a big old billboard thingy. And then uh, she comes back and goes to the date with Hank, Henry Hank, and then they have this big fight and they break up and she tells him that she never wanted to marry him in the first place and he's all brokenhearted and walking her back to wherever it is that she's charging to and she ends up at her dad's office and then she has this big throwdown fight with Atticus. Oh my gosh, like for real. And then she storms home and gets to the door and she's leaving and everybody's yelling at her and getting all upset and she yells at her aunt. Oh my gosh. And and then here here comes her uncle and just lays into her, puts her on the ground. Uh, takes care of her, gets some whiskey in him, and um, uh, uh, <laughs> comments that he enjoys hitting women, which is really uh, neither here nor there. And then, and then she comes to, and Uncle Jack lays into her verbally, and then she thirty seconds. Oh my gosh! And then she goes to Atticus and apologizes, and he tells her that he's proud of her for yelling at him which is different and and we find out that uncle jack is was in love with her mom which is also weird um and and then and then she goes to hank and makes up with him and i really don't know what to think about their relationship it's very confusing she says that she wants to marry him but she doesn't want to marry him and everybody's telling her not to marry him it's very confusing one and then the end (laughs) <laughs> you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. That's and this, this episode really did. We probably should have done the bourbon this episode. Right? Because that was, now that you're reminding us of what happened, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's All a right. lot. There's a lot of violence in this chapter. Well, we're not drinking bourbon this one. It's, it's wine, tea, and tasty reads this week. It should have been bourbon, tea, and tasty reads this week. <laughs> but since it's wine, what are we drinking? So we have a lovely bourbon barrel aged red blend out of chili. Called Eiji Mata. This wine is great. Uh, wonderful nose. You got a lot of oak in there. There's some nice cherry notes. Uh, it smells good. It's maple. Uh, they should make a candle out of this. And the taste is lovely. Uh, right out of the bottle, you don't get a lot of the bourbon notes, but there's a lot of bright cherry tones in it. But as it opens up, you get more of the bourbon flavors, the oakiness, the mapleiness, the bright cherry tones are there. And there's a little bit of earthiness in, on the back side of the palate. Really nice one. Sorry, my brain was like, because it's from Earth. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm not like this. 
but it, it's it's pretty standard for Chilean wines to have that nice earthiness and that nice pop of cherry right at the top. But because it's been aged in the bourbon barrels, it just gives it a different, slightly different nuance. You, you get that maple flavor in there, which is really neat. Uh, I, I definitely recommend this one. It's a great bottle. All right, let's go ahead and dive into the rest of our book, the finale of Ghost at a Watchman. Yeah. It's a lot, though. It's a lot. So we open up with this recollection of the dance that Which we kind of talked about. Yeah, we yeah we're like, oh. This is the danger of us reading ahead a little bit. So we, we kind of talked about it last episode. Scout goes to this dance with her brother, and she doesn't like the way she looks in her dress so she purchases a pair of fake bosoms fake bosoms direct quote and <laughs> Calpernica sews them together but doesn't sew them into the dress which is against her better judgment no I think she did on purpose <laughs> no literally I think she did on purpose teach her a lesson Impossible. no like yes but also, I, I think she's one of those people who's just like, okay, we're going to put these in there because she's going through this phase. You know, same thing with the, with the pregnancy where she was just like, girl, did you really think you were pregnant? Really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, no, that's not how that works, <laughs> you know? And so with this, and she was like, I need these in there. But I mean, also Calpurnia is still technically the help. So she's going to be like, okay, I'm going to put these fake things in here and let her get this out of her system. <laughs> I think that was a lot of what it was. It was just like, all right, she asked for this. I am not responsible for what happened. You know, disclaimer. <laughs> but she she did kind of on the way out say, I want to sew them in there. And, and Scout said, no, 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 I'll be fine. And and left anyway. So she she kind of walked herself into it either way. Yeah. So they end up shifting. Henry Hank is dancing with her at the time. Holds her close. Scout has no idea what's going on. And he takes her outside and tells her what happened. And she loses her mind and wants to leave. And he angrily reaches his direct quote, uninterested fingers reach down into her dress, pull them out and throw them. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I actually kind of stopped at that point. I was just like, did he just throw her boobs? Yep. Like, did he just... Fake boobs just out into the wilderness. And apparently they were slightly viscous because <laughs> they ended up the next morning on the billboard that was <laughs> showing all of the different people serving in different armed forces that their principal put up and he wanted everyone to confess because apparently he already knew who it was and so Henry Hank went to Atticus and came up with this crazy plan to make the entire freshman class of girls say I'm so sorry Mr. Principal Man, because I can't remember his name right <laughs> Mr. now. Mr. Principal Man. So by the time Scout writes her confession out like he asked her to, about 40 people had come forward with this note saying, 
Hey, Mr. Principal Man, I think that they look like mine. Hey, Mr. Principal Man. (laughs) (laughs) And he angrily sends her out of his office, and nobody knows who's who. And I think the whole recollection was to show how much Hank and Scout and all of them, Jim, everybody, went to Atticus to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. And then we get into this whole, I'm angry at Jim for, I'm sorry, I'm angry at Hank for, Henry Hank, Henry Hank for basically allowing this crazy man to talk at this podium and giving him the time of day. Uh, she sees it as, accepting what he's saying by not fighting what he's saying, which, I mean, it's... Shoot, it's valid. It's, it's very valid. <laughs> it's absolutely... Because, honestly, that's... When I read it, I was with her, but I my reaction was completely different. You know, hers was, like, complete and utter rage, but as somebody from the opposite side, it was just kind of, like, numbness. Like, for me, I was just like, oh... More of the same, right? So we have to listen to the hate speech. And um, I can't do anything about it. Like, And they aren't doing anything about it. So it does. Like, Her point of view is absolutely valid. And in my opinion, it never... The book never did validate her for that. It Like, they said some things to, like, be like, yeah, here's... um. Oh, look, the sunset is on the horizon, so we won't be able to solve this one the way you would like to solve it. Let's ride into the sunset. Well, and I think <laughs> I, I think this fight was kind of her way of showing that she was angry about not having her feelings validated. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Well, I'm actually a little bit more with Scout because I... I would have been throwing bottles at somebody. Well, uh, no, that's I'm with her, but like I'm saying, like I, I can only sympathize with her because I'm coming from a completely different experience and standpoint. Yeah, no, I'm saying so, that yeah. I was raging with her. I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was like, angry. Yeah, and okay, I got you. I'm, yeah. I'm now. I'm with you. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to drink some more wine real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was right there raging with her when when this whole scene went down and while I can kind of see where they're coming from with this whole, let's sit here and just let him talk so we don't have to hear him carry on beyond this. I, I, I'm not sure how you can sit there and listen to this and disagree with it. And not want to punch him in the face. Because that's kind of where I was at with it. I don't (laughs) want to say what I believe that to be. (laughs) Okay. So she's raging. She gets on this date with Henry Hank. And she basically tells him, I don't love you. I never loved you. And... I'm never going to marry you. So, which is really false. I never loved you. Well, she obviously loved him because there's no present tense. (laughs) 
a lot of things changed after she saw them there. Mm, I don't think, but I mean, love doesn't just die. Like you're just like, damn it. No, but love can turn into hatred very quickly. That doesn't mean you don't love the person because we, we've had this conversation. You can't yeah. hate somebody unless you do love them. Yeah. But is it possible to love somebody after you hate them? 30 seconds later. A yeah. day later. A week later, maybe. Yeah. Especially if it's unresolved. But like right afterward, <laughs> like it's she's just she's she's so caught up with what happened at she's very reactionary like she just like knee-jerk reactions is kind of her thing like yeah and that's why i'm just like okay and so when she was just like i never loved you heifer shut up yes you did (laughs) like (laughs) it's just just tell the man what you heard. And I just, that was the other thing that made me angry. And I was just like, why wouldn't she just say, I saw you at that meeting. I saw you sitting there and letting that guy spew his ridiculousness. What have you to say for yourself? Sah! The gloves are off. You know, like something. So the thing that I think kind of really set her off was the fact that he saw her. He saw her and he was expecting her to be waiting outside to say hi to them. Like what they were doing was completely and utterly acceptable in her eyes. Because he's going off of Atticus. Atticus was said, okay, yeah, he's there. He's, you know, later in the resolution, like he spoke because he wanted, we let him speak because he wanted to. Which I think is a horrible idea. Like, uh, yeah, let's not. Do as that. a human, like, I mean, he's a teacher. Like, it was like, I have, I have eighth graders, and when they come in and the bell has rung and it's time to get class started, and they want to tell me about their alcoholic aunt that um, has the same wine tumbler that I have tea in. I didn't know it was a wine tumbler. Okay, that I bought it because it was cute, but it has tea in it. And they were like, oh, my aunt's an alcoholic. She has that one, too. And I'm just like, I need you to go outside and try it again. Because when you walk in the room and the bell rings, how do you enter? Like, basically, we have to correct the whole situation. Second, do we just talk about whatever the heck we want? Whose room is this? Who has control of the room? Not you. That's not that's okay after school when you see me doing duty then yeah maybe you can tell me about your alcoholic aunt i'm going to report this to the counselor okay um (laughs) we're gonna report that just to make sure that um you're okay but just because somebody wanted to speak we let him speak but the same thing in the school board meetings like if somebody comes to the school board meetings yes they have open things but you can't just say Whatever you want to say at this school, you have first of all it has to be relevant. It can't be, you know what? Nobody picked up my garbage. They're not in charge of that. You know, it has to be <laughs> some relevant to something angry. that has happened, and why you're angry has to be relevant to the meeting. And you cannot just say whatever the hell you want to say. You do not get that. So the minute you get off the rails, I feel like you should shut somebody down. That's it. Your time is up because you've decided to be outside of the parameters of what's accepted. So what that said was that type of speech was actually acceptable. And there was nothing that Atticus or Henry Hank 
could do or might not be willing to do about it because of the situation with them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I picked up about it also. Mm-hmm. There, I was I was getting that there was nothing they could do about it. There's always something you can do about it, but they were worried about being targeted. Right. That's 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 what I should have said. Yeah. There's nothing they could have done about it without being targeted. And the fact that they weren't being targeted in the first place is actually kind of odd considering what um what Atticus did with the first book. Um in Cannot ever say the name of that book. Tequila Mockingbird. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My brain just always goes Tequila Mockingbird. And I'm just like, that's not <laughs> the name of the book, damn it. Uh, this is Any tequila makers out there? I like tequila. Right. <laughs> okay. But the book is called To Kill a Mockingbird. It has nothing to do with tequila, damn it. Okay. <laughs> I'm... I don't know if I should contribute anymore. <laughs> I feel like I should just go to sleep. So I think that's a good stopping point right there. Let's go ahead and start our tea brewing. Pull the tea. Pull the tea. <laughs> and because if we start getting into this fight with Atticus and it's, it's, it's going, we're going to go away. <laughs> this episode would be two hours long. And we'd have another three-parter on our hands. No, not right now. <laughs> so we're going to get the tea ready, and we will be back with you guys for the conclusion of Go Set a Watchman by Harper Lee. Tea and Tasty Reads, episode 14. 14. All right, Erin, we have our tea ready. What are we drinking today? Today we have a really, really awesome treat. Um, our friends at Tea in Texas actually sent us a black tea sample pack. Thank you, Anita. <laughs> Thanks, Anita. Um, the first one we tried was the Alamo Apricot, and so now we're drinking it iced. It is black tea apricots, papaya bits, and sunflower petals. Mm. Let me tell you, this actually shocked me. I am not a fan of apricot at all. Actually. Well, not at all. It's just a fruit that kind of falls flat. Yeah, I said it was the NPC of fruits. The non-playing character. Like, it's in the background. But it's the pa- there, it's a fruit. But the papaya, <laughs> it just made it. It brought it out. It really like, was. Oh. It was the perfect amount of sweetness and the perfect perfect punch with it. And it was so refreshing, especially as an iced tea. Mm-hmm. I think it would still be great hot. And the sunflowers, that's the thing. I've actually not had a tea with sunflowers in it. Nor have I. And I think if I had not been smelling this tea, which I refuse to remove it from my nose, um, <laughs> that I might have been like, what? Sunflowers? And now you're happy I shoved all the tea in your face. <laughs> Which reminds me, you can see our unboxing of the Tea in Texas Black Tea Sampler Pack on our Instagram. She liked it. I'm just going to let you go ahead and jump back into the book is what I'm going to let you do. I'm not going to say anything else. I have my 
rumors. And it's a good thing that we have our delicious, delightful, smooth iced tea for this very difficult, violent fight this woman has with her father. I might need to put some vermin in my tea again. Mm. All right, let's go ahead and jump back into the book. Let's do it. So, let's start with the fight with Atticus, yes? That's what we're all excited about talking about. (laughs) It's not the word, okay. So this this was I mean I I actually wrote in the notes this isn't a deglazing this is a fucking dethroning that's actually word oh. for word what I wrote in my notes. Oh no that's exactly what this is. I'm it just <laughs> it's not even a oh take him off the pedestal. No, no it's like drop kick the fuck crack the fucking pedestal <laughs> off with his head with a goddamn <laughs> sledgehammer. Guys, this was awful. Like Queen of Hearts style. Like off with his head. What? So first she lays into Henry Hink, and then she... Poor guy, never saw it coming. Really didn't. <laughs> I, I like, kind of felt bad him. for him. I, I was like, at least tell him why <laughs> you're telling him off. Like, that's a typical thing in the South. If we're going to yeah. tell off a guy, we're going to be like, I don't understand why. And then we tell them and then the we issue, tell them off. and then they get cussed out. That's the way uh, it goes. She didn't do that. I guess it's just the finch in her, I guess. I don't what. know. She's been in New York too long. <laughs> perhaps that's it so and then she's she stumbles upon her father who just so happens to be outside of his office of and just lays into him oh the uncle hears too well no, yes so that's 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 after the fact so lays into lays into him standing outside his office and basically shatters her godlike image of Atticus and also unfortunately shatters our godlike image of Atticus. I mean, I wouldn't say it was godlike. I just thought pious. I thought he was a just word? a guy that does the right thing. And it just seemed like I, only yeah, in pious certain situations will he do the right thing. Yeah. It it has to be in accordance to the law, because Atticus lives to the law and that's it. So it had nothing to do. Yes. <laughs> it had nothing to do with this is right and this is wrong. It's this is the law and this is not the law. Right. So therefore I will represent this poor guy, not because it's what's right, but it's because, because it's he the was law. innocent and that's the law. Yeah. He should get a fair trial. Which is noble in its own right, but it's it's kind of besides the point. So we we have this fucking dethroning. I'm gonna need some cream cheese and some. Where is the bourbon? I'm just not. I'm not okay. And then we get to this spectacular interaction with Uncle Jack. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the book. I wrote down all of my direct quotes. Um, he comes in and literally hits her across the face. No, he does. That was and sounds like gives her a mild concussion <laughs> because she's seen the stars and everything. Welcome to the south. And and then forces her to drink some whiskey. Uh, well, once again, welcome to the south. <laughs> I mean, and in in his defense, she was on a rampage, and she was she was absolutely crazy 
ready to leave, throwing her stuff in a bag and taking the car. And I'm really not sure how else he could have possibly stopped her outside mm. of, you know, running her over with said car. Right. Um, so hit smacking her across the face was probably the nicest thing he could have oh, done. Oh, no, I need to go get the bourbon. I'll be back. <laughs> so here comes Uncle Jack trying to talk some sense into her, but he has to get her mildly drunk first. Same. And, <laughs> <laughs> and sits her down and explains to her what just happened. Because... Atticus was such a godlike figure. She idolized him to the point where she couldn't separate his ideals from her ideals. She just assumed that their ideals were the same. And where anyone else, she would have just had a fun, heated debate, she completely lost her mind with Atticus. Because that was her father, and he was everything to her. And crashing down like that into disillusionment mm-hmm. was, well, that's hard, <laughs> to say the least. So Uncle Jack knew that the only person that could have this conversation with her was actually him. So that's he was the one who went and did this for Atticus. We also find out that he was in love with their mother and she was basically his bonus children. The reason he never married was because the woman that he loved was married to his brother. <clears throat> so that's one of my lot. favorite quotes was, uh, so we see where... We see the watchman come in again. Every man's watchman is his conscious. That's Uncle Jack. But I loved what he said here. It's easy to see who we were, but harder to see who we are. Was one of my favorite things that he said in that whole speech. Because I I always like to say hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's hard to see the picture when you're standing in it. Mm-hmm. You have to say things at some point. I, I know you didn't like it. I'm sorry. I'm just pissed that I have to talk about this. <laughs> I'm just the the just okay. There we go. <laughs> I just have to let that out. Um, I just uh, the ending. I feel like there needed to be some sort of epilogue, like. I get that she learned that her father is not the guy. His morals are not what she thought they were. But what does she do about that moving forward? Like, what does that change? She doesn't hit herself on the head when she gets in the car now. Congrats. Well, she's she's become an adult herself. That's the reason why she's paying attention to what she's doing because that's what adults do. She, we also found out why uh, Calpurnia was giving her the company manners because of the things that her father was doing. And so because they were so attached, she was her father and her father was her. Mm-hmm. 
but now they have this stark separation. And after her interaction with Uncle Jack, she goes back to Atticus's office to pick him up from work. And there's this awkward, non I'm sorry, I'm sorry that happens with Henry Hank, where she just asks him, seven o'clock tonight, honey? And it's just, I mean, I don't really blame Henry Hank for the way he responds because I'm pretty sure I'd probably oh, answer no the same idea. way. idea. <laughs> Poor freaking thing. Like, I do yeah, okay. feel sorry about that because I was just, <laughs> the whole time that she was like just giving him the one, two, you know, like the uppercut, he's just like literally trying to survive he, he has yeah. no idea why this woman that he loves is doing this now yeah he has no idea that he's done anything wrong because yeah. he's actually doing the same thing her father is doing um and it's normal in the south yeah yeah that's why we read this book so we can read about normal in the south because you're just not <laughs> sure what that is uh, that's that's literally why I'm giving this book company manners right now. That's why she's like, you have to say something. Okay, yeah, I do. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Whatever, to this freaking book. Um, <laughs> from the author's standpoint, I understand why she, uh, possible reasons why she wrote it, I get it. Um, but why we needed to read it, Somebody will learn a lesson from this. Somebody will relate to this. I'm with Cal. Like, I'm giving y'all the company manners right now. Like, that's what's happening. Yeah, it was It was clearly written primarily to progress the character of Scout right. into adulthood, completely separated from her father. Um, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's, what is it, a product of its time is what it is pretty much. Yeah. Um, and she's the, the sad thing. The reason I really want an epilogue is because it was like, is she going to become a product of her time? Because her father has like, there we go. Well, she does um, kind of, a, she, she does kind of address that to an extent when yeah. she's laying into Atticus. Why, why didn't you hit me? Why didn't you marry a, a lovely late, a lovely new lady that would teach me how to fan myself out like auntie and, that way I could have been blissfully unaware of all of these things that she, that she felt that he taught her that he didn't necessarily believe himself. So the lessons were there and they were learned from Atticus, but they weren't his own viewpoints. I think everybody will understand what you're saying. Like, I really do. It's just, it was her, she was projecting basically yes. is what it was even though he taught her a certain way she perceived that teaching a different way because there was cow for her cow was her mother yeah you know and so for her and that's why Unc, uh, uncle jack uncle jack yes uncle jack i was about to say uncle henry Hank jack johnson <laughs> <laughs> just so many names um but that's why uncle jack was like you were colorblind like you see people in terms of their intelligence their personality their you know, their contribution to the world or whatever it was he said. I didn't highlight that part, but he was just like, that's how you see things. And while that's the ideal world view, and, you know, and they know that the world is trying to go that direction, it's not really the view of the world. <laughs> it was just hers. Like, it was, she had in her mind that she, if more people could think of 
think in those terms, but people don't, you know, there's two, there's more people who don't than do think like that. And so she's thinking she's from a family that thinks like that. And now she's disillusioned because she perceived a lesson that her dad was teaching her in a completely different way than what was possibly intended. When he said live by the law, she was like, okay, the law, you know, these are innocent people. We should be treating them equally, blah, 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 blah. And, but he was just like, I'm a lawyer, so yeah. <laughs> As opposed to this is a life lesson. He was like, This is just kind of who I am. <laughs> this is how I make my decisions. And she perceived that as okay, everybody's equal. I've been taught that everyone is equal. I think that she'll follow through with it. And that might be why there is no epilogue because, you know, maybe Harper Lee felt that it was addressed in that statement uh, to Atticus. She. She also very sheepishly goes to her father and he tells her that he's proud of her. I, I'm I'm really not sure what to do with all of that, but it's I mean it's a lot of it's a lot of weird emotions. He values people thinking for themselves. Yeah. And she has used her experiences and her life. Like she's come to a conclusion and she's her own woman. I got that. Yeah. So he's he's acknowledging the fact that he appreciates her thought process her opinion but at the same time he disagrees and he appreciates that she accepts that I guess is what's happening here it's it's almost like an agree to disagree I respect you and therefore I respect your opinion even if I don't agree with it is what that is and honestly, I feel like we need less of that in the world. I'm kind of tired of that. Like, you can show empathy and sympathy without respecting somebody's opinion that's actually harmful to others. So that's pretty much the end of that for me. <laughs> so. Fair. <laughs> and it, it, it was at that time period where things were very much shifting to more of what the current state of mind is and thought process is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the older generation was sitting there going, well, what's unfair about what we're doing? And the younger generation was sitting there going, um, everything, everything about what you're doing well, is and, unfair. You know, just to briefly go back, even the founding fathers understood that on a very basic level, the men that they had enslaved were not inferior but if they didn't uphold those values, then they would lose their money makers. <laughs> so, Correct, which is what made and, it so monstrous. Right. And so it was very, the way of thinking has to be intentionally done. And that's, and it has to be intentional because you can't grow while you're holding to those beliefs. You're correct. And that's, that's kind of what, I saw happen at and during this last chapter was, you know, Uncle Jack had that talk with Scout and he he said essentially like you'd never be able to move past where you were if you didn't separate yourself from Atticus. And so now that she's actually done it, she can finally start growing in her own beliefs and making her own path and doing her own thing. And not be a hypocrite because they're they obviously agree that the NAACP was within their mean, you know, within their rights 
to highlight certain cases to appear in certain cities. So I'm just, you know, I'm just like, like you're either fighting for it, but if you step out of the fight, you're helping the oppressor, which is literally a Martin Luther King quote. quote. Yeah. Like, by, so. by not fighting, we're aiding it. And that's, that's what threw her over the deep right. end in the first place, because she was watching her father not fight for what she believed was right. All right. So now that we're thoroughly upset with Atticus, I can honestly say, um, I wish I hadn't read this because I like Atticus as the person who stood up for what was right because the guy was innocent, but it just was like, Oh, I don't care. Oh, I went back and read that speech and to kill a mockingbird. I'm mm. like, no, I, w- I want you back on the ivory throne. It's, this, I, it was a place that was well deserved. Yeah. Because he did place his entire family in danger doing so. So I'm just like, why would you place your family in danger doing so over a belief system that you don't believe in, except for the fact the guy was innocent? Like the guy was in danger. Like the guy got, got shot. Well, he 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 did put he put his entire family in danger for a belief system that he did believe in. It just wasn't the one that we all thought he was believing in it was a different one and that's why i was like okay well then what good did he do if the man just he got shot anyway well he did uh, nothing i i nothing obviously (laughs) Um, it was like he might as well have gone to jail he would have been safer well yeah that's the book yeah that's this is the this is the cynical depressing end to the ivory throne of Atticus and this was wine bourbon tea bourbon and tasty bourbon (laughs) (laughs) next episode we will be getting into a brand new book that hopefully will not be as depressing as this one Uh, it's the storyteller by Dave Grohl it's his autobiography I've already started it I've been excited to read this book I'm excited I'm excited to read something about a musician. I am not as familiar with the music, but I'm still really excited because I like autobiographies, especially by musicians, because then I understand what they're talking about, (laughs) as opposed to like somebody in politics and you're just like, what? (laughs) Great. I, however, am a huge Dave Grohl fan. I love the Foo Fighters, Dave. I hope you listen to the podcast. Oh my God. (laughs) So we've picked out some tea and some um, wine that we think pairs well with it even though Dave Grohl is probably not a wine drinker and by probably means definitely not a wine drinker (laughs) I got some fun rock star wines yeah so we're good with that and you'll probably see a bit more of the tea from tea in Texas which I'm excited to drink it okay cheers until next time and remember don't waste your time drinking bad wine Don't oversteep your tea and join us next week on Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads, a Giro Music production. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Wine, Tea, and Tasty Reads wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at Wine, Tea, Tasty Reads for fun extras and links to our bonus content.